0: Welcome to this week's episode of Relaunch My Life Radio. Well, this is a really special interview because I don't know if you've heard of Dr. John Martini. If you've seen The Secret, he was featured in there. But aside from that, he is known as what's called a polymath. He's studied over 30,000 books across all sorts of disciplines and has really synthesized the wisdom of the ages to teach and share on stage in over 60 countries. He travels... 350 days out of the year teaching and training, and I got to spend last week learning from him in his Values Facilitator training, and it was towards the end of the training that I thought, gosh, it would be incredible to share his wisdom with all of you, my listeners, and to be able to ask him questions specific to the challenges that I believe that you are facing, be it following your purpose or trying to do something brave in the world, something different to stand out, to make a change and just to let go of fear. And so I approached him and I asked him, would you be interested in speaking on my podcast? And he said, "Yes, I would love to." So it was one of those kind of pinch me moments when on the last day of the course, after everyone graduated and left, I got to spend half an hour one-on-one with Dr. John D. Martini face-to-face asking him all of the questions that I thought would benefit you. And you know, it's interesting because I really do believe that all humans have all traits, and when we pedestal someone, then you know we put ourselves down, but it was so hard not to pedestal him, because he's obviously just so learned and so, um, so educated in so many different areas, and so it was quite an intense experience, and um, yeah, I, it's an absolute honor to share the conversation that I got to have with him one-on-one with you all. So... I also wanted to ask you if you get something from this episode or if you've been enjoying my podcast to please share the podcast and leave me a review in iTunes or in Spotify because that's how more people are going to find out about me. At the moment, my podcast isn't run by ads. It's not sponsored. And to keep it ad free, I just ask that you please pass it on and share the love. So please share it, um, share it with your friends, leave a review, and that would just mean the world to me. So with that being said, enjoy this week's episode where I got to sit down face-to-face with the amazing Dr. John Demartini, world-renowned specialist in human behavior, researcher, author and global educator. If you have any more questions, you can reach out to me at julia at relaunchmylife.com.au and there will be links in the show notes as well where you can find out more about the work that Dr. Demartini does. Tune into to Relaunch My Life Radio to discover your highest potential and feel inspired to live a life of zero regrets. If you want more, be sure to hit subscribe and visit us at www.relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. Well, I am absolutely honoured to be sitting down here today and speaking with Dr. John Martini, who has just led a four-day Values Facilitated training and it's been such a wonderful experience to be a part of, so thank you so much for being here. How are you tonight?
1: I'm doing great, thank you. I uh, I appreciate uh, the timing of the interview, so I was able to get a bite to eat, so thank you.
0: You've literally just finished teaching long days, full of course content. You have been talking nonstop. I also went to your workshop on Tuesday evening where you were on fire, in flow. How do you maintain your energy, first of all?
1: (laughs) You know, I don't know, I just, I love what I do it every day. I don't think much about it, other than I just love getting up and researching and teaching. So I don't doesn't feel like a lot of work, really. It just feels like what I love doing. Mm.
0: And that is a big part of the topic that I wanted to ask you about tonight, because the people who listen to this podcast are at turning points, are wanting to make a bigger difference in the world, and they have so much fear of stepping out. And so I was wondering if you could share a bit about why people have a dream or a telos or a highest purpose, but they have blocks and fears and things that stop them from moving forward.
1: Well, I really believe that each individual does have a yearning to express something magnificent. And they do have a set of values or priorities, things that are most important to least important in their life. And if they identify what's really, really, really most important, what their life really demonstrates is truly important to them, what's most meaningful, most inspiring to them spontaneously, and they give themselves permission to pursue that and not necessarily try to fit in and conform to people on the outside, but just give themselves permission to be their authentic self and ask themselves on a daily basis, what are the highest priority actions that they can do on a daily basis to help them fulfill that. And make it small increments. You know, sometimes we wait for this big kind of event to occur instead of just doing little baby action steps to make big dreams. And if every single day we take a little action step towards what we know for sure is meaningful to us, it's impossible not to start building momentum. And people want this quick, you know, outcome As as Jim Collins said, sometimes success is 25-year overnight success is 25 years. So I'm a firm believer in just giving yourself permission to not be distracted by people and just stay focused on what it is that's really most important. It's easy to do it if you're setting goals that are really important to you. But so many people compare themselves to others instead of comparing their daily actions to what is really valuable to them, their own priorities. And then when they compare themselves to others and put people on pedestals, they're going to inject other values and cloud the clarity of what's really important to them. And they'll get confused and they'll lose some of their confidence and they'll self-depreciate. Or if they project their values onto other people and spend time trying to get other people to live in their values, they're going to put all this energy into something that's not going to happen. And all that energy could be used fruitfully into something that's really meaningful. So you've got to give yourself permission to be the authentic you because... The magnificence of that is far greater than any of the fantasies you might impose or suppose. So every day, if we just do a little action step. I met Mary Kay from Mary Kay Cosmetics many years ago. <clears throat> and that's a woman that impacted millions of women. And I spoke to 4,500 women at the Anatole in Dallas. And then I got to meet with her and chat with her. And I asked her a simple question, What are the, you know, what would you tell or give advice to a man who wants to travel the world and inspire and speak. So she said that every day, write down the six or seven highest priority action steps that you can do that day. Not projects that you can be in and it takes weeks, but just that action steps that day. And the six or seven highest priority action steps for that day, if you do that every single day and check them off as they go and don't give yourself goal overrun where you stack up hundreds of goals and they never get done. But just do the six or seven. And if it gets completed early, add another one. And if that gets completed, you can add another one. But don't go through the day without completing those. Make sure that it's small bites so you know you accomplish them. Always add another one to it. If you do that, you really, it's impossible not to get your goal. You just keep working towards the goal. And if you're pursuing something that you're giving up on and starting and stopping, it's not highest on your values. You want to make sure it's something really highest that your life demonstrates that nobody has to remind you or motivate you to do. If you need motivation or reminding from the outside to get you to do what you say you want to do, what you say isn't really what you want to do. So make sure it's really, really, really priority and then stick to priorities. And every time you do, your self-worth goes up. You expand your potential. You activate your executive center. You see vision. Those are the vision flourish. You end up having more strategic planning instead of just impulse jumping. You want to act on it. You don't have to be reminded or motivated or gimmicked to get it done. And you are more likely to be disciplined and less distracted by impulses and instincts of things that you infatuate or resent that activate your amygdala and take you sidetracking. If you do that, you you can't not get progress towards a goal yet. Mm
0: -hmm. And one of the themes that came up at the training this week was around the conflict that some women have around Thinking that their highest value should maybe be family, but in fact it's business, or it should be business, but in fact it's family, and the conflict of I guess living when you're injecting <coughs> values on yourself and imposing values on yourself in that way. So can you?
1: This is extremely common. Mm. I mean, I've seen this for over forty-something years, where the the tradition and convention and standards of some societies particularly certain societies, about what a woman should do, supposed to do, got to do, have to do, must do to be a good woman and what their yearnings inside, which are sometimes different than that. And many times they live in this internal conflict and live with headaches and migraines because they, they are not able to just go for what they want without the peer pressure and the worry about what people think. But there's an old proverb that says, "If you know, I'd rather have the whole world against me than my own soul. And you have to give yourself permission to be really honest. I had a woman that came to the Breakthrough Experience, which is, as you know, my signature program. She said, my highest value is my children. And I said, okay, if that's so, it will show up on the value determinant process that I have. So I went through the value determination, and we showed up that her business was highest on her value. And at first she fought it. She didn't want to write down what was really evident. She fought it because she was thinking that it shouldn't be that way. You know, Her mother didn't work and she had the ideas. You should be doing this. should be home with your kids. <clears throat> her aunt was that way. Her grandmother was that way. Two of her friends who had stay home moms projected. See, everybody projects their values onto you and you may have a different set of values, but if you let other world, the world around you project their values onto you and try to live by those values, and live by duty instead of by inspiration, you're gonna have a quiet life of desperation. So you have to be able to look inside and be honest with yourself about what's really, really important. And that's why determining your values is crucial. And in her case, business was number number one. <clears throat> but then she said, she justified it. She said, well, well, it's for the sake of my kids. And I finally kind of smacked her a bit. And I said, listen, you know that's bullshit. The real truth is, you don't want to depend on a guy. You've been wounded by a guy somewhere. And she got teary-eyed all of a sudden. You want to have your autonomy. You also want to have children, but you want to have your autonomy and you want to be a businesswoman, and not have to rely on a guy. And she goes, Is that obvious, huh? I said, yes. I said, that's what your values are showing. You. So you have to be honest with yourself, and not judge that, not compare it to other people, not worry about what people think. Just give yourself permission to be a great businesswoman, have beautiful children, have au pairs and nannies to help you delegate things that are lower priority, get on with the things that are higher priority. You'll grade your self-worth or you'll have internal conflict and headaches. And she did. And she flourished. And what she did is she prioritized her daily home life and made sure that when she was home, she had really engaged with her children and all the rest of the stuff that she normally is pushing the children away from so she can get all this home stuff done. Was delegated to somebody else so she could really be with her kids when she came home. And it liberated her, and she got strong about where she was, and her business went up, and her home life was more fulfilling. <clears throat> she was trying to be Superman, trying to do everything according to everybody else's values, and wearing herself down, and then not doing anything great. And then she was end up resenting her kids, she felt trapped.
0: Probably judging herself, judging herself,
1: (laughs) judging her boyfriend, projecting Mm. on her boyfriend. All kind of stuff was happening because she just wasn't giving herself permission to be integral to what she wanted.
0: And so it's it's fascinating that something that is so important, like values, seems to be overlooked, and you spoke a little bit about the fact that it's overlooked, but it's one of the most important concepts that you teach at all of your trainings. Is it that it's not sexy enough, or like what? What do you think it is? Why do you think? Because there are these <clears throat> things that, if every human on this world understood this about themselves, imagine the difference in world. But well, also recognize that everything is also balanced. So
1: it, it's yeah. interesting because, <clears throat> I mean, I've been blessed to do a lot of studying, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of disciplines, and I'm surprised at how few books are on values, and most of them are moralistic. And they're trying to identify the right and the wrongs of society instead of finding out what the person's called to do which may be wrong to some people and right to other people so you can't you can't please everybody because everybody there's a full spectrum of values out there and there's somebody with similar values they'll think whatever you're doing is right on and you have others that are thinking completely different they'll think right off so There's so much out there on moralistic applications of values, but not on fulfillment applications of values and or economic applications. So what a real value is, is what's important to the person, what they're willing to pay money for, what they value in having happen, and what's really most important, you might say. So there's so much written out there that's actually confusing to people relating to that about how you're supposed to be, that people innately go, that's not me, so I can't relate to that. So finally, I wrote a book called The Values Factor to try to give people permission to be themselves because they want to be loved for who they are, not for what they should be, are supposed to be, or have to be. And give themselves permission to live by what they value most, whatever that may be, knowing the world has a complete spectrum and nobody's right or wrong for those values. Everybody's needed you have to have some women that are businesswomen. You have to have some women that are family rearing. <clears throat> so whatever that spectrum is, you give yourself permission wherever you fit to be magnificent there. Somebody's needed in that area. And we have this idea that it should be this, or it's supposed to be this, or a good woman does this. None of that really matters. What matters is what's true to you. And that's not a narcissistic thing. Many people think, oh, that's selfish. No, when you're actually doing what's really highest on your value, you have the highest probability of contributing because you actually love taking on challenges that inspire you and innovate ideas and original thoughts that actually serve greater numbers of people and you feel more service-oriented when you're doing something you love. Almost anybody's walked into a a clothes boutique or maybe a restaurant or even a salon where women have gone. And they can tell when whoever is there is really engaged and inspired to do what they do. And they look forward to actually doing business with them. And they can also tell when people are uninspired. And when they're engaged, they're service-oriented. They're not narcissistically focused. And they're basically serviced. They want to help because they love doing it. And you engaged talking to them. We've all had great waiters or great car drivers or great salespeople that we enjoyed working with because they loved what they are doing. And so when a person does that, they're not selfish. They're actually contributive and they're more geared towards fair exchange sustainably. And they end up serving more people and having more rewards in life and more fulfilling. I think everybody can agree that when they're doing something they love that makes a difference in people's lives, that's the most fulfilling thing they can do. So that's what's fulfilling to people, that. It's not a selfish act. It's actually a self-other integration. It's not a, Self-actualization, it's a self-other actualization.
0: And, you know, it's interesting because when people are on on the path of trying to figure out what they want to do and finding their authentic self and, you know, doing all of these steps to learn more about, well, who am I and what do I really want and figuring this all out, I think sometimes people can perceive that the challenges and obstacles they're facing are problems and they're wrong and they're hindrances and they'll stay stuck or they'll blame and can you just explain a little bit for the listeners about your perception of, of perception? Of...
1: Well, if I walked up to somebody and, and whoever's listening, I'm assuming you're probably a female
0: yes,
1: and you're listening, if I walked up to you and I said to you, you are always nice, never mean, always kind, never cruel, always generous, never stingy, always peaceful, never wrathful. Always positive, never negative. Always giving, never taking. If I said that to you, you would probably have a part of you thinking of the moments when you were just the opposite of that. And you thought, you probably think your bullshit meter would go off, and you probably think, no, that's not exactly it. And if that I went around and turned and whip-flipped the other side, and I said, <clears throat> That you're always mean, you're never nice, you're always cruel, you're never kind, you're always taking and never giving, you're always stingy, never generous, always wrathful, never peaceful, always inconsiderate, never considered, always negative, never positive. You'd also have a bullshit meter go off and say, No, that's not me either. But if I said, Sometimes you're kind, sometimes you're cruel, sometimes you're nice, sometimes you're mean, sometimes you're generous, sometimes you're stingy, sometimes you're uh, considerate, sometimes inconsiderate, sometimes peaceful, sometimes wrathful, you immediately go, Yep, that's true. You would automatically know. Innately with your intuition that you have both sides and you want to be loved for both sides So when you try to be one-sided and try to be only up never down only one-sided And try to get rid of half of yourself. Don't ever expect to love yourself trying to get rid of half of yourself You can't do it. And I've been studying this for many many years decades I've never seen a person get rid of a trait I've seen people try and repress it, and then it explodes on them. So it's not about getting rid of any part of yourself, because you need all parts of yourself. In fact, there's a philosophy that says, at the level of the essence of your soul, nothing's missing in you. But at the level of the existence of your senses, things appear to be missing in you. And you think, because you're too proud or too humble to admit what you see in others inside yourself, you think things are missing, and you also think that you're supposed to be one-sided. And that is the delusion that stops people from doing something extraordinary. Because you need both sides of your life. There's time to be kind and cruel. There was a great uh, piece of music that came out in the 60s, 65, I think. And it was called, Turn By Turn, 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 uh, by, the, by the birds. It says, a time for peace, a time for war, a time for this, a time for that, time for both sides. So as long as you're trying to get one-sidedness out of your life or other people's lives, Futility. You've got to embrace both sides of yourself and honor. That's why I tell people in my breakthrough experience, no matter what you've done or not done, you're worthy of love. And the truth is, that's the truth. So anytime you expect yourself to be one side and try to get rid of yourself, you're going to block your own love for yourself. And then, if you're trying to be one-sided and expecting other people to one side, the more you try to get one-sidedness out of yourself, the more your opposite side surfaces. And the more you try to get one side from the world around you. The more the opposite side surfaces. So if you're looking for protection, you attract aggression. If you're looking for peace all the time, you get people that like to disturb things. To teach you that you need both sides because maximum growth and development occurs when you embrace both sides. And so you don't have to get rid of anything. You can just love yourself. And if you start to have that expectation on yourself and others, life becomes pretty magnificent. But if you're trying to get rid of half of yourself and others and half of life, you're gonna bang your head against the wall. In Buddhism, there was a great statement to the desire for that which is unavailable and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable is a source of human suffering. But when you embrace both sides, you transcend the suffering.
0: Beautifully said. And so the <clears throat> illusion that's perpetuated in society of relationships that a partner will make you happy, or it's it's that's just Setting people up for failure.
1: In- well, the pursuit of happiness is probably the most saddening thing you'll ever do. <laughs> <clears throat> the, the, the Stoics warned against this. Aristotle wrote all about it. Beware. Plato wrote about it. All the great thinkers have known, C.S. Lewis, Montaigne, I could go down the list. Anybody that's striving for a one side is like searching for a pole of a magnet, one-sided pole of a magnet, and then trying to get rid of the other pole. They come as pairs. They're entangled, as they say in quantum physics, and they're inseparable. But the mind, with its ignorance and its conscious and unconscious discernment, tends to try to separate those inseparables, divide the indivisibles, label the unlabels and we tend to make things one-sided. But it's futile. So yeah, if you if you have a relationship and you expect them to be nice, never mean, kind, never cruel, positive, never negative, it's just a matter of time when you're all of a sudden going to feel Angry and aggressive, you want to blame and feel betrayed. You want to be criticized and challenged. You're going to feel despaired and depressed. You want to exit and escape. You're going to feel futile and frustrated. You're going to be grouchy and grieving, and then you're going to hate and you're going to hurt. And those ABCDFGHs and negativity are compensation for unrealistic expectations for you or others or even the world to be one-sided, and for others to live in your values or you live in other people's values. Because we're unique and we want to make a difference. We can only be making a difference if we are allowing ourselves to be unique and not trying to be somebody we're not, get other people to try to be somebody they can't be. So that relationship flourishes the moment you embrace people who they are. When you love people who they are, they turn into who you love.
0: Hmm. Beautiful. And you made a joke the other day that you are generally, there's one person with the exact polar opposite value set to you and you will end up marrying them or ending up with them. Yeah,
1: jokingly. (laughs) There's a, there's a law in sociology, it's called the law of heuristic escalation. And what that originally comes from is when one organization tries to emerge and rise and overpower with an idea, an equal and opposite organization will emerge to counterbalance it. Kind of like pro-life, pro-abortion, pro-guns, anti-guns, pro-religion, anti-religion kind of things. So anytime you try to promote a one-sided world, the other side comes in to balance it, to break your addictions to the fantasy of one-sidedness. And so in relationship, if you're looking for somebody that's exactly like you, you won't be necessary. <laughs> if any two people are exactly the same, one's not necessary. But the ancient Greeks, I think, nailed it back way back 2,500 years ago. They said if you see more similarities and differences, you have infatuation. If you see more differences and similarities, you have resentment. But if you see and embrace both similarities and differences, you have the perfect balance to make love and growth. Because love is the synthesis and synchronicity of these two pairs of opposites. So you need somebody, because if you had somebody that's exactly like you, you'd get bored. If you had somebody completely opposite you, you get burned out. But if you have somebody that's got a little bro- both things that support and challenge you, you have love. And so when you're married to somebody <clears throat> or looking for somebody, don't be surprised if you run into somebody that has a balance of things that you like and dislike, Because whatever you look for in a relationship, you write down all the things you like, you better write the opposites. They come with it. Because people have both sides. When you can finally embrace both sides, you found your soulmate. If you're looking for one side without the other, you're going to find your heelmate.
0: Can you share a little bit on the fact that people will inject other values when they are first dating? And how when people say, oh, he changed. He was great at the start. Then he changed. Why does that happen?
1: Well, whenever you're... Uh, kind of goo-goo-eyed, rose-tinted glasses, fantasy-minded, infatuated, and you have your heart racing, your blood flowing, and you go, oh my God, I I found that special one. And you fantasize with serotonin in your brain, I want to have babies with this one, this is the one. I want to have a little house. Pardon me for the fantasy here. But if all of a sudden you have that fantasy, that's not the one. (laughs) That's what is called a temporary fantasy of infatuation. You'll tend to minimize yourself being around them. You'll find yourself sacrificing things that are normally very, very important to you, and you'll just kind of omit them. Anytime you see that, you know you're infatuated. And then what'll happen is you'll sacrifice for them, and you'll store everything you sacrifice for them in a memory bank, and you'll use it later when you want to attack <clears> them. <throat> and then, when all of a sudden uh, you start to wane on your infatuation because of hedonic adaptation, you'll start to now start to expect more. <clears throat> And all of a sudden, he won't do anything. He hasn't. He didn't even know you had these expectations, possibly. But you had these expectations, Wayne, and now you start to resent him, and now you expect him to change. And when he all of a sudden, he's not matching your fantasy, and so the very fantasy you build becomes the very nightmare you face. It's kind of a fatal attraction. So if you're overly excited, you're probably blinded. You better look for the things that are different, not just the things that are similar. Because when you're infatuated, you go, "Oh my God." We have the same number of eyes, same number of ribs, same number of teeth and arms and legs. We're soulmates. And then when you resent him, you go, we don't have anything in common. We're not going in the same direction. You literally have more similars or differences when you have infatuation and resentment. So balance it out and be on the lookout for both sides. Your intuition is trying to whisper to you, but you've been too infatuated to listen to the intuition. And a woman's intuition, when it's truly understood and listened to is very good guidance. And it guides you to, you know, when you're highly infatuated, there's a party that's whispering, be on the lookout, too good to be true. Got to be something here, watch out. And then when you resent them, when they didn't live up to the fantasy, there's got to be a purpose why this is happening. Your intuition is trying to bring you back into the balance to see both sides. That way you can love him and you get liberty to have love for yourself.
0: Beautifully said, thank you. And obviously, in <clears throat> the line of work that you do, working on yourself, understanding yourself, peeling back. The layers of illusion and balancing your perceptions um, is is the key. What would you say to people listening to this that are interested in doing more work and learning more from you?
1: Well, anything that you judge in your life within yourself or others, no matter what it is, anytime you have an imbalanced perspective, you store those infatuations, resentments, or attractions and repulsions, those impulses, those instincts. In your subconscious mind and they run your life because anything that reminds you of again is going to make you seek and avoid and you'll be an automaton reacting before you even consciously aware of it and you'll think you're having free will but you're actually in bondage to the previous dissociations or associations you made by the pains and pleasures of the past but if you go in there and see them balanced which is a thing that i do in my breakthrough experience program Have a Demartini method which is a series of questions that help you become fully conscious of the unconscious and conscious synchronously, so you can actually balance things, liberate yourself, free the subconscious baggage, and all of a sudden be present and make decisions out of actions of love, instead of reactions of wounds and fantasies. Our fantasies and our nightmares run our life until we finally love and see both sides of them synchronously. So, what I do in the, my program, The Breakthrough Experience, is help people return to love. Uh, not as Marianne Williamson used to say in The Course of Miracles, but in a very scientific way now that I've been working on since I was 18. Now yes. 46, almost 47 years.
0: It's incredible. you know. <clears throat> and I want to say thank you again, because not only do I feel grateful for having spent the last four days with you, but being able to pick your brains and share this with this perspective for our listeners. I know that there's gonna be a lot of amazing feedback from this. On a personal note, I had a really interesting experience. I had written down all of the judgments and things that had triggered me over the last few days, did the breakthrough last night, and then today had my final death rattle um, trigger happen, which was great, and um, at lunchtime was walking around and literally the only thing I could use to describe it was I could feel the atoms in my body rearranging. I could feel something shifting. And I couldn't describe it. It wasn't anything that I could consciously comprehend, but all I could feel was gratitude for every single trigger, every single teacher. And I was curious if um, when you're teaching, you – yeah, you. I don't know. It's obviously not a conscious thing that what you're doing, it's just so masterful. And I wanted to express my gratitude, I suppose, for getting – everything that you said between the lines as well and everything that wasn't said but everything that was said. and Yeah, it was just interesting. So my question to you is that sensation or that feeling of like atoms being rearranged, is there something scientific to that process?
1: There is. Um, Every time you perceive something that supports your highest value or challenges your highest value, you activate um, the parasympathetic nervous system or the sympathetic nervous system, the two sides of the autonomic nervous system. Whenever you have one or the other, that releases certain neurotransmitters, neurohormones. And those neurohormones and transmitters go to the cell wall of almost every cell of the body. Although it may concentrate certain tissues, it really goes to all the cells. When it does, it causes a cascading in a series of enzymes and eventually what they call kinase and phosphatase enzyme. And that leads to an epigenetic change inside the genes that are the core of our structure. <clears throat> Those genes when they have modification through this epigenetic impact change the proteins that are being manufactured. And the proteins are that which make rise to enzymes to cause all the vibrations and activities in our cell. And also the structural proteins that make up all the things that make us become a physical structure. So the physical proteins and the enzymes the stratic and the dynamic enzymes and proteins are all vibrating and changing with every perception we have. So if we all of a sudden neutralize ourselves and get to a point of poise and grace, we balance out our chemistry and balance out and create a symphony out of our life instead of a cacophony. And our voice is the instrument upon which we play that symphony of life. And so when we voice thank you, I love you to life, uh, we bring literally a symphony into our physiology and ourselves. But if we we're sitting there infatuated or resentful and not seeing the whole and not realizing there is nothing but love, all else is illusion, then we automatically create cacophony as a symptom producer to try to get feedback to let us know when we haven't loved to give us an opportunity to love again. So we really can't screw up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We, all, we're, all we're doing is having experiences trying to help us become authentic.
0: Do you ever just marvel at the perfection of it or just how everything does synchronize and balance out? And I know you've been doing this for many years. Yes, I do. I sometimes
1: sit in tears of gratitude when I make another discovery about that beautiful feedback that's inherent in nature. Um, You know, Swedenborg, the great visionary, um, said he just wanted to understand the divine master plan. And Sir Isaac Newton, a century around just before that, Said, I just want to know, you know, the divine master plan. And the divine could be a theological concern or it could be from a scientific perspective, just the laws of the universe. But all the great minds throughout history, as far as we can trace back in history, there's been a few that have had an awe-inspiring pursuit and quest to comprehend the way life really is. And the more attuned they are to the way it is, the more humble, the more inspired, the more grateful, and more graced by life they become. And I think that's what happens as we pursue the mastery of our perceptions. Because we have control of our perceptions, decisions, and actions. If we master the ability to perceive things in a way that is synchronously complementary and be able to then, with that state of appreciation, respond, not with the decision to go one way or the other, but to decide to just express spontaneously out of love, our actions become graceful, and we have really amazing healing capacities and genius awakening capacities as a way of expressing our magnificence.
0: Beautiful, beautifully said. Thank you. And I want to be um, conscious, we've nearly gone, actually I think we have gone over, so I wanted to wrap up with one final question, which is for the listeners that are hearing all of this and still feeling that feeling of fear. Can you just talk a little bit about fear and perhaps what they can do to overcome it?
1: Well, there's a number of fears, phobias. Fear is an assumption that you're about to experience in the future through your senses or imagination. More drawbacks and benefits, more losses and gains, more negatives and positives from somebody or yourself. And it usually occurs in seven areas. The fear of not being smart enough, educated enough, knowledgeable enough, make wise decisions, the fear of somehow failing or not succeeding at something that's important, the fear of losing money or not making money in the pursuit of that, the fear of losing loved ones and their respective loved ones in a relationship, the fear of rejection in society or not fitting in, Um, the fear of ill health, death, or disease or not being beautiful or attractive, and the fear of breaking some morals and ethics from some spiritual authority that you've given power to and subordinated to. And each of these fears ultimately come from a comparison of you to somebody else that you put on a pedestal, trying to live in somebody else's values and expecting to excel in something that you will automatically not. And then it's it's like Einstein said, if you're a cat and you're expecting to swim like a fish, you'll beat yourself up. And you live in a fear of the humiliation of that pursuit. And if you're a fish expecting to climb like a tree, you're going to beat yourself up. But if you're a cat, and you expect to climb, you're going to love yourself. If you're a fish, and expect to swim, you're going to love yourself. So knowing yourself, know thyself, be willing to be yourself, is what keeps to loving yourself. So fear is a feedback to let you know that you're pursuing something of a bit of a fantasy to try to guide you back, to break the addiction to the fantasy, to get you back onto what's authentic. Fear is not your enemy, fear is your friend. It's letting you know you have an imbalanced perspective. And you skewed your perceptions, and you're trying to be somebody you're not. The second you set real goals with real action steps that are put together in small bites, and it's clearly, concisely, congruent, and strategic, you are just taking action, and you don't have fantasies and phobias to balance them.
0: And link to your action. That link to your mindset. Well, that's
1: it. it's, (laughs) It's authentic. Either go do what you love through delegation, or love what you do through linking, is what I tell people.
0: Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honour and wonderful to learn from you and definitely encourage you all to uh, follow the links on the episode show notes as well to research more about John's work, his uh, workshops and trainings, and also I'll put the links to the book that you mentioned as well. there, The values factor as well. So thank you so much. Thank you
1: for the interview. Appreciate it.
0: That's this week's episode from Relaunch My Life Radio, live from Australia. Visit us at relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. And remember, it's never too late to relaunch your life.